Uh, thank you all for being here uh, once again. And uh, if you would, take your Bible and turn to the, uh, the book of Psalms, number 119. We, Lord willing, this morning will be looking at the first uh, set of uh, Psalm 119, the first eight verses, and we'll be examining them in depth, uh, somewhat in depth. We're not going to get you know too deep, but uh, hopefully have some good practical things to say from Psalm 119, 1 through 8. It, uh, this set is, uh, is headed by the letter Aleph, the Hebrew letter Aleph, which is the first letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And uh, so let's read verses 1 through 8 uh, together. If you would follow along as I read and uh, think about what the, what the text is saying, and then we'll pray. Verse 1 says, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep His testimonies and that seek Him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in His ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep Thy precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep Thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all Thy commandments. I will praise Thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned Thy righteous judgments. I will keep Thy statutes. Oh, forsake me not utterly. Let's pray together. Father, first of all, we thank You uh, for Your Word and the great effect and influence that Your Word has upon our lives. And I pray for each and every person here and some that aren't, that aren't here for various reasons. Uh, I pray that each one of us would know the influence and effect that the Word of God would have on our lives and that we would be changed, we would be cleansed, we would be sanctified through Your Word as we examine what it says, as we pay close attention. I pray for uh, each and every person here that You would uh, warm our hearts to what You say. Lord, guide me to know how to put things that, uh, that Your people need, that I need as well. I ask You that the Spirit of God would walk among us and would instruct us. Lord, just like the psalmist says in Psalm 119, uh, Lord, we need you to incline our hearts uh, to your word, uh, to take away the, the callousness and the, uh, the numbness that sometimes comes over us, spiritually speaking, that we, might be, uh, that we might be lively in the way we receive your word. So, Lord, please help us and uh, give grace and strengthen us and instruct us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as I mentioned uh, several weeks ago, what, uh, what I plan on doing uh, through this, if, if I can get all of us in here to participate as much as you're able, we talked about before how that Psalm 119, unlike most parts of the Bible, that the context is of lesser importance, not no importance, but lesser importance than other parts of the Bible because each verse, almost all of the verses, not all, but almost all of the verses in Psalm 119 almost stand alone. In other words, there's, there's little context that affects the meaning of each verse. And, uh, and so that, that fact makes this, uh, this psalm particularly 
uh, suitable for memorizing individual verses. And so what I would like us to do with that, and, and many people throughout the years, you think of verse 9, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Many of you probably have that verse memorized. And you have it memorized because it is, it is encapsulated. It's, a, it's a, a little nugget of truth that you can think about and, and ponder while um, that it's easy to remember. You're not having to memorize a large portion of Scripture. And then, of course, as concerning memorization, verse number 11 says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Again, another verse to memorize. So what I'd like us to do, and I want to encourage you in this matter. Now, I know you all have a lot of things to do. I've got a lot of things to do. But as a matter of, as a matter of discipline, as a matter of diligence, as a matter of... Uh, if I could put it this way, as a matter of seeking the Lord, as you'll see in a minute, seeking the Lord diligently. I want to encourage you to, to, to participate in this. And what it is, is each week that we go through a set. Now, some weeks we might go through two sets. I, I, I just don't know. But each week as we go through a set, I'll select one verse from that set. So I've, I've already selected the verse for this week. And and you don't, have to, you don't have to select the same verse I do. But what I'd like you to do is read the eight verses for that week. And you can either take the recommended verse that, that I recommend to you to memorize, or you can select a different one in that set. And what I'd like you to do is to take that week and, and just memorize the verse and the reference. Just that verse and that reference. So that when we, and then when we come back the following week, I'll give you an opportunity to, in front of everyone, to quote the verse that you have, you have memorized. And whoever quotes the verse that you have memorized, uh, and I, it would be best if you, already, if you already have, like, if you already have verse 9 memorized, don't, mem- don't memorize verse 9, memorize a new one. Okay? But, or ele- you can't do 11 either if you already have 11 memorized. You got to do a new one. Uh, but I'd like you all to participate and then, and then, you know, stick your neck out. I know some of you are not comfortable speaking out uh, to, to people, but this is not really about us. We, we'll try to encourage you and, and uh, you know, encourage you to, to participate. But really, it's about you putting the Word of God in your heart and, uh, and being able to recall what it says and then giving you the opportunity to meditate. I, I thought Pastor Stewart's, um, uh, he gave an illustration with a computer and a hard drive. You know, you, a, a computer has a hard drive, that's the permanent storage, and it has a memory. That's the immediate storage, right? And so you can't call up into memory what's not on the hard drive. And so we're trying to put it in the hard drive so that when you need it, the Lord can bring it back to your, to, to your remembrance. And you say, well, the Lord can bring it to my remembrance anytime. Well, that's not how it works. It's <laughs> just not how it works. So I just want to encourage you to participate. Now, if you Come back and you memor- you've memorized your verse. You're ready to say it. And you want to say Psalm 119, verse 9. Uh, Wherewithal shall you man clean? Like, like that. If you memorize it and you say it in front of, in, in front of our class, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put your name in a hat. Now, I don't know if I'll actually have a hat. I'm, I'm kind of obligating myself to get a hat at this point. So maybe, maybe somebody can bring me a hat. I don't even think I have a hat. I have a hat. Yeah, I have a Marine Corps hat. I'll rub it in Pastor Stewart's face. Ah, man. I'll put your, we'll, we'll write your name down, we'll put it in the hat, and we'll keep it there. And then each week, 
I'll select one name and I'll have some sort of some sort of gift, some sort of prize to the person who, uh, whose name's in the hat. So that means the more verses that you memorize each week, the greater the chance that you get selected. And we'll try to think of some really good little gifts for, uh, for you. I'll have to ask my wife for help with that because she's a lot better at choosing gifts. So, uh, so I would just, listen, I just want to encourage you to participate. This is all in good, in good nature. This is not like, I'm not high pressure or anything like that. Uh, but I'd just like you to participate. If, if Psalm one, one of the features of Psalm 119 is that the truths are, are in little capsules that are easy to, easy to swallow, easy to memorize, then I want us to take advantage of that, of that character of the psalm, uh, this, this, this psalm here. And so I figure that's a good way to do it, all right? And none of the gifts are going to be like a new car or anything like that. So they'll be... There'll be uh, small gifts. Uh, might give away an AR-15, maybe. So no, I'm, I won't. But um, we could have a big crowd if I did that. Right? If you memorize the whole psalm, maybe we can figure out a way to get you an AR-15. No. All right. So let's look at uh, the first psalm. Now, <clears throat> the theme, uh, as I said before, a lot of the a lot of the verses in this in this psalm are, are kind of individualized truths that don't depend so much on the context to develop. They just state them in one, basically one breath, one sentence. Um, but this particular section actually has kind of a little bit of a theme, and when you read it over and over, you start to you start to see the theme come out, and the theme is this. It's a very basic thing, but I hope to develop it to help us to really be able to sink our teeth into what it says. The theme is keeping God's Word. Keeping God's Word. Now, let's look at verse 1. Verse 1 and verse 2 begin the same way. They say, blessed are the the undefiled in the way. So, the Lord gives, the Lord lists four different characteristics of people that He calls blessed. Blessed. It says this, blessed, number one, are the undefiled in the way, number two, who walk in the law of the Lord, number three, that keep his testimonies, number four, that seek him with the whole, the whole heart. This is how the psalmist opens up. It's kind of like Psalm 1. One commentary I was reading reflected on Psalm 1. It says, blessed are they that walk not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sin." In other words, Psalm 1 opens up with this blessing and Psalm 119 opens up with this blessing. What's interesting to me, though, if I were to say, now hear me, if I were to say, if I were to say, name a blessing in your life, and I'm not, I'm not excluding myself, myself included. If I were to say, name a blessing, almost all of us in here, the first thing that would come to our mind would probably be some sort of temporal, physical blessing. Maybe, maybe good health, maybe a successful surgery. Well, we hope is ultimately totally successful, right? A successful surgery or, you know, getting over a sickness or, you know, being able to, you know, you had a financial need that was, and those are all blessings, but that's not what's here. The ble- what is mentioned as being the person that's being blessed here is not the person that has material wealth or the person that has physical health or the person who has peace in their family, although those, those things are all great. 
It's not the person who has any other kind of earthly pleasure. The person who is blessed here, these, these people are defined as undefiled, walking in the law of the Lord, keeping God's testimonies, and seeking God with their whole heart. And what is the character of these things? These things are not earthly. These things are not temporal. These things are not physical. These things are spiritual. These things are eternal. You know, sometimes we read the Old Testament, and there is a lot of emphasis in the Old Testament put upon physical blessings. You think of the children of Israel, they were promised what? They were promised a physical land, and they were promised good health, and they were promised wealth. They were promised that as a measure of God's blessing. And in the New Testament, you see kind of the opposite. You see, uh, you see a promise of persecution, a promise of, in this world, you shall have what? Tribulation. We talked about that the last couple of weeks, right? But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. We, in the New Testament, the emphasis, not entirely, but the emphasis is largely upon the spiritual blessings we have in Christ. But what you have here is the spiritual blessings. You have, this, this is saying, what this is saying is, these are eternal and spiritual achievements. Now, listen, these things, these four things that are mentioned here and things of this nature are the highest attainments to a child of God, to a follower of the Lord. Listen, you and I, we can have plenty of money in the bank. We can have, uh, our investments can be doing well. We can have good reports from the doctors. We can have a, a body that has no pain at all. We can have uh, physical prosperity. We can have peace in our family. Our kids are you know, our, my neighbor, I was talking to him, he's, uh, he's from New Jersey, and uh, he was telling me, I was, I was just talking to him, this is several months ago, and uh, I, I was asking about his kids, because I've never met his kids, but I think they were visiting or something, and I was asking about his kids, and he said, here's what he said, he says, yeah, my, my kids are just, they're doing really well, and I'm just, I'm, I, I'm just glad and, and proud of them, you know, my, all of my kids make, you know, six figures, now, how many of you would like to make six figures? I mean, it's not a sin to make six figures. But this is not the blessing. You can make six figures and you can have good health and prosperity in your life and still not be blessed like this is describing. That's why this is of greater importance, right? What is it? What is it? Being undefiled before God walking in the law of the Lord, keeping his testimonies, seeking God with his whole heart. That is more important. That is of greater value. Those things are higher attainments than what we think of commonly as, as, as people. We think of as blessings. And sometimes, and of course we studied this last week, sometimes these things, come as a result and come out of difficulty. The Lord works these things in us. But you want to talk about being truly blessed? It's not going to be what we own. It's not going to be how well our body functions. It's going to be our spiritual, our, our walk and our relationship with God. Period, right? Period. Nothing is more important. And no, no achievement is more important than that. And I think we have to, listen, we live in a world that is that has its philosophy it has its worldview it has its 
it, the way it thinks, and that kind of creeps into our thinking. We, we need our thinking to be realigned from time to time with what God says is important. And, uh, and this is, these kinds of things are part of, the, part of the, the, uh, the way we do that. Now, in verse 1 it says, Blessed are the undefiled in the way. Undefiled, the idea of being clean which is mentioned several times in, you know, it's, it's mentioned throughout the psalm. Verse number 9 is an example. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way. The idea of being defiled. Of course, sin defiles us. But when you think about defiled, being defiled, or being unclean, or being clean in the sight of God, there are actually two senses. And we'll look at some verses um, that describe this. You have the first sense, the first way or sense in which you could say a person is clean is in, is in their condition before God. You have their condition, and then you have their practice. Now, follow me when I, expl- when I explain what I'm saying. Your condition before God is your, the, the way God views you in your state before God. And that, has, that, that is not related to what you do. That is not related to whether you keep God's commandments or don't keep God's commandments. And then you have the practical cleansing. And that deals directly with the way you and I live. And that matters too. So we, as a, as a fact of our condition before God, we are clean, we are undefiled through faith in Christ. Right? Does everybody understand that? When the Lord forgives us, the Bible says in Revelation, right? Verse chapter one, I think it's verse, correct me if I'm wrong, verse eight perhaps. And it says, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. You know what? That has nothing to do with how you keep God's commandments. That is your receiving and trusting in what Jesus did for you, right? That's a, that's a cleansing The Lord cleanses us from all sin, and we stand before Him undefiled. Well, you say, whoa, hold on now. Hold on now. Undefiled before God. Well, what about people who, you know, yeah, they say believe in Jesus and all that, but they, they, you know, they they do wrong. They're, They're not honest, and they don't, well, hold on. That's when you're talking about practical defilement, practical cleansing. And that deals with how we walk in the law of the Lord. Look what it says. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. So I think the primary thing this is talking about is our practical walk. Now, what are, what are you talking about, Adam? Look at, if you would look at John chapter 13. Don't lose your place here because we'll come back. But look at John 13. A very good illustration of what, of this, this dual uh, aspect of being cleansed, being undefiled. John 13, verse 8. Anybody know what this story is about? John 13 deals with the what? The washing of the disciples' feet. So Jesus comes and washes the disciples' feet. He's going around the table and washing the disciples' feet. And then he gets to Peter. And in verse 8, look what it says. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered, hear, hear, hear this now. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, 
thou hast no part with me. Okay? Verse 9, Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. I, I, see, I see such sincerity in Peter here, right? I see a man who, he says, I, I am not going to allow my Lord to humble himself and wash my feet. And the Lord says, well, if, I don't, if you're not cleansed, I don't have any part with you. Now, think about that. If a person is defiled, the Lord has no part with them. They are alienated from God because of their sin. That's what he's saying here, right? And so Peter says, well, I don't want that. I don't want. Now, he hasn't gotten to where Peter is personally. But he says, I don't want that. He said, wash, wash everything, my hands, my head, everything. He says, Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Verse 10, Jesus said unto him, he that is washed needeth not save, that means except, to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. So he says to Peter, you're already washed. You're clean. You see that? Now, it, Peter, I mean, if we know of all the characters of uh, all the disciples, we know Peter was a man who made, he messed up. I mean, he, he, he's the one who, of all, made the, the biggest blunder of them all, probably. But here it is. The Lord says, you're clean, Peter. You're already clean. Okay, that's our condition before God. That's, that's how God views us. He says to Peter, you're clean. I want to ask you, are you clean? I'm not talking about, do you live right? Have you been cleansed from your sin? That's what Peter, Peter, the Lord's telling Peter. He says, you're clean, but not all. He, verse 10, he that is washed needeth not, needeth not. In other words, he doesn't need to be washed, save or except to wash his feet. In other words, in our walk with God, even though we are clean, we're, we, are, we are undefiled, in our walk with God, our feet get dirty. One commentator I, I thought brought up a good point, and they said, even the, the floor of the tabernacle in the wilderness was dirt. And so the priests themselves had to wash their feet frequently because it would constantly be defiled in their, their service. Well, here's what the Lord is saying. You're clean, but you know what? Your feet need to be washed from time to time. That's the practical cleansing. That's the way we live. Hence the, the reference to the feet, the walk, which is in Psalm 119 that we, that we read a minute ago. Who walk in the law of the Lord. You walk using your what? Your feet. Unless you're really talented and you can use your hands. But you don't do that very long, generally. So you have the, your condition before God and you have the practical cleansing. And every one of us, every one of us needs that practical cleansing. And that comes from God's Word. It comes from keeping God's Word. That's how we live practically uh, clean and undefiled. Verse 11 of, of John 13, For he knew who should betray him, therefore said he, Ye are not all clean. So he's referring in that case to Judas Iscariot. Because Judas was not clean. He was a disciple, but he was 
not saved. He was wicked. He was a faker, right? Now, let me make a point here. There is no way to be cleansed practically. There is no way to be cleansed practically on a day-to-day basis through God's Word if you have not been cleansed wholly. You are not clean, as the Lord says first. In other words, Judas could have come and Jesus could have washed his feet, but you know what? He would have still been dirty. All the rest of his body's dirty because Judas was unclean. So here's what I'm trying to say. What we do on a daily basis, whether we obey the Lord or don't obey the Lord, for a person who is not clean, who has not been cleansed from their sin by Christ, no amount of good works that they do will clean them up. They are still dirty. They are still utterly filthy. And they have no part with the Lord, despite how their efforts at trying to cleanse, clean up their life. And you know what? Most people, I would say, I'm just guessing, at least eight out of ten people that call themselves Christians think that they're right with God because of the things they do or don't do. Period. That's the way most people think. And that is utterly, totally false. That only comes into play if you've already been cleansed, like Peter. Then for the believer, we look at the feet and we say, how's my walk? Am I undefiled? Or are they dirty? And we should pay attention to that. So, as a believer who is already clean, he seeks to be clean in practice in his walk with God. Now look at verse 2. Verse 2 says, in, back in Psalm 119 now, Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with a whole heart. Now note the number of times the word keep is mentioned. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies. Verse number uh, four, thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts. Verse five, oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Verse number eight, I will keep thy statutes. What does it mean to keep God's word? His commandments, his statutes. Somebody give me a, what does it mean to keep them? It doesn't mean you, you take the Bible and you make sure you put it on the bookshelf and don't throw it away. That's not what it means. Yes, sir. Could we use, correct, could we use the word obey, right? Observe. In fact, the Bible uses a number of words to to reference our keeping, obeying, observing God's commandments. But you also see in verse number one, in verse three, it says, who walk in the law of the Lord. Verse three, they also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Now, hear me, hear me. This is an important point. There's this idea that's floating around churches that it's not really all that important to seriously obey what God says. After all, listen, here's what people say. After all, we're saved by grace. It's not really that, you know, keeping, yeah, I mean, yeah, we we ought to really, they'll they'll say things that, you know, kind of, half-hearted things like, well, you know, we ought to to try to do, you know, do what the Lord says. Listen, it's more than that. It's keeping and obeying. Those are not, those are not profanities in New Testament Christianity. I'm going to, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. Now we are saved by grace. As I said before, 
Our keeping of God's commandments, no matter how hard we try, no matter how successful we are, think Paul, think Saul of Tarsus, no matter how successful we are, you can cleanse your feet all day long in your walk and still be defiled. That's what Saul of Tarsus was. He said himself in Philippians chapter 3, right? However, as a matter of our cleansing, we're cleansed by one thing and one thing only, and that's the blood of Christ. That's the gospel that Christ died in our place on the cross for our sins, that he was buried and he rose again. And we have personally put our faith and trust in his sacrifice to take our sin away. That is our cleansing. That is our cleansing. But now that we, now that we are saved by grace, the way we walk matters. And whether we, hear me now, whether we obey the Lord and His Word matters. It is not a matter to just, it is not an optional thing. Now, I'm not saying if you don't obey the Lord, you're going to go to hell or you lose your salvation. You weren't saved by obeying the Lord or keeping His commandments. You don't keep yourself saved by keeping His commandments. But that doesn't mean we have no obligation to keep His Word. And what has happened is, in modern Christianity, the way people view the Lord's commandments has been withered and weathered down to where it's not really as, as important as, you know, because after all, you know, if, if, you know if, I don't, if I don't obey it in every little jot and tittle, you know, I'm still saved by grace, so, you know, it doesn't really... Wrong. Utterly wrong. Now, I'm not threatening, of course, threatening you or, or anyone by saying that, by, by saying, well, you better obey the Lord or God's going to send you to hell. No, absolutely not. See, these, teeth, these two things are, are compatible. Now, look at the New Testament. Look at John 14. I want to show you something here. You know, these days, the word commandment, the word commandment's taboo, right? In churches, you know, oh, we don't want to say the word commandment. That rubs people the wrong way. Oh, you're a legalist. You're a law. You know, you keep the law. Whoa, 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 whoa. Look at what the Lord said. For, listen, forget about, listen, all, if, you, if you keep up with that kind of thing, forget about all these things that men say. It doesn't matter. All that matters is what God says, period, right? John 14 says this. Verse number 15, Jesus himself says, If ye love me, keep my commandments. Verse 21, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. You know, here's the thing. Paul's, Paul's right here. It seems like everybody today wants to talk about with such flowery language and such beautiful oratory how much they love the Lord. Everybody, everybody wants to praise the Lord. Everybody wants to describe the way they feel and how warm their heart is to the, to the Lord. And they love God's Word and it makes them so happy and it makes them feel so good. And they have such warm sentiment and such high praise and exaltation of God and of His Word. How many of you know what I'm talking about? People talk it up big time. But all of that is little value if you don't keep it. 
people talk about their feelings about God's Word as a replacement for keeping God's Word. This is what is actually happening. I, I mean, I hear it. Oh, I love the Lord and all that. But it's not important that you, that you do what He says. That is utterly opposite and contrary to what the Lord says in verse number 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. That's what he says, right? You see, it is, it is not so much important what you say you feel about God and His Word, but what you do about God and His Word. Because what you do about God and His Word reflects the way you feel. Now, if you want, if you want to give God glory and praise and, 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 uh, and praise His name and describe how much you love His Word, that's perfectly fine, but it must be consistent with a life that keeps His Word. Verse number 24, or 23. Jesus answered said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. And my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Verse 24. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, lest there be any doubt what Jesus is saying. So if a person says, and they describe their great sentiment and their great feeling toward the Lord and His Word, but they don't keep His Word, Jesus says, I don't believe you. Right? Brother Adam, that's, that's kind of harsh. Look at 1 Thessalonians, if you would. Verse number 4. I'm sorry, chapter 4, verse 2. Now we're in a New Testament epistle. You can't say this isn't for the New Testament Christian. Chapter 4, verse 2 says this, For ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. If, com if the word commandment is a bad word, then why is Paul using it with the church? The commandments, listen, for a child of God whose heart has been renewed, commandment is not a bad word. It just expresses God's will, right? And listen, the very word commandment means you are ordered to do it. I am ordered to do it under an obligation that if we don't, we are sinning, right? That's what the word command means. If you're in the military and your, your officer gives you an order, same as a command, right? And you don't obey it, you are subject to punishment under the UCMJ. Failure to obey a lawful order of a superior officer. That's, that's what, listen, this is, this is not, I know you all know this and I know it too. What I'm trying to do is help us to see that the commandments of the Lord are not some bad word. And we do have an obligation to not talk about how much we love the Lord and His Word, but to keep what He says. And listen, I have that obligation as much as you do. Look at uh, Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1, verse... Verse number 16. And then look at chapter 2, verse 11. It says this, They 
profess, that's their words, that they know God, but in works, that's what they do, they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work reprobate. That tells me that the wicked and evil works that men do demonstrate and proclaim where they are with God despite what they say, okay? Again, it's not the sentiment that we have toward God's Word. It's not the feeling. It's not our words. It's do we keep the commandments of the Lord. Look at chapter 2, verse 11. This has both, both the cleansing by the grace of God through the blood of Christ and the practical. Look what it says, verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. The grace of God is not our works. This is God's kind disposition toward us, which was most obviously demonstrated how. But God, what? Commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 12 says, though, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. This is the effect, keeping God's commandments. Now, if you would go back to Psalm 119. Try to wrap it up here. This is why I say, this is why I'm putting... I'm trying to put so much emphasis on how many times, five to, I think it's four or five times the word keep is mentioned. Walk is mentioned. This deals with, listen, it doesn't, it doesn't deal with what we say about God's word, how we praise God's word, how we describe our love for God. No, this deals with what we actually do. We might call it the brass tacks. Listen, don't let, don't let, nice language of praise to God and nice expressions of feelings and and warmness toward God to be a substitute for actually obeying what the Lord says. Now, that doesn't mean our obedience is, is cold and robotic. No. It's just God is looking at, at the substance. You see? He's not looking... He, he's, not, he's not looking at just the exterior and the way it sounds to other people. He's looking at the substance, keeping his word. Psalm 119, verse number, uh, verse number 2 says this, and that seek him with the whole heart. Think about the whole heart. An undivided heart, undivided motives, seeking the Lord without any mixture of something, some unsavory or impure desire. And listen, and I know, I know I'm, I'm, I'm hovering around the same subjects, but this is so true in churches. I hope not in our church, but it is true in churches generally that people are mostly concerned with the way they appear to others. And often that's what motivates them to do what they do. They want to appear spiritual, they want to sound spiritual. They want to be considered to be spiritual. See, that's a divided heart. That's not seeking God wholly for the Lord's sake. That's, seeking, that's appearing to seek God with a divided motive. Maybe you want to seek God a little bit, but there's part of you that it has another motivation. 
You know, the Lord says, I'm, I'm skipping a lot here, but in Jeremiah, the Lord says in chapter 29, verse 13, He says that they, the children of Israel who had strayed from the Lord would find the Lord if they sought Him, what? With all their heart. What does that mean? What does that mean? That means that before God answered them, He was examining their motives to see if they had any divided motive, any mixture of something insincere or some other reason. You, know, you think about, you know, the most obvious example of this is people that they want to come to church because actually I saw a really funny video about this the other day, but that, you know, because they have a, you know, an insurance salesman, you know, he's looking for new clients, you know, so he comes to church because he's looking for new clients or, or, you know, young men come to a church because they're looking for a wife, you know, and there's this mixture of motives. It's not purely for the Lord. Listen, God is looking at that. He's looking at our motives to see if we're seeking Him with our whole heart. Now, the last thing I want to talk about is verse number five. There's more I can say, but we'll just have to stop. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. You know, when you read Psalm 119, what you see is the the psalmist here is asking God to, to influence him, to direct him, to make him want to keep his statutes, right? And listen, that desire to keep God's statutes, he said, you know, you get the idea that maybe he's having a hard time finding the desire to do it. He's, you hear the, the, the emotion, oh, that my heart. He wants, he wants to obey God's statutes, God's commandments at his core. He does, but he's finding it hard to do it. He's finding that he doesn't have the ability. He's finding it's, 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 really, it's really difficult. And then you go to other passages in Psalm 119, and we know what you find. He says, I looked at my ways. I, I looked at the paths of my feet and directed my heart to keep thy statutes. So where he's doing it, you know, and both exist at the same time. But see, the very cry of the psalmist in verse number five, where he says, Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. That cry comes from what you might call a sanctified heart. In other words, a heart of someone who is cleansed. You know, for someone who doesn't know the Lord, they don't care. They are not interested. They are not interested in their heart being directed to keep God's Word. They are not interested, period. Now, if it makes them look good, that's one thing. But that unmixed motive of, Lord, I want my heart to be after you, that is not something that comes up in their mind. But for the believer, we cry out to God in this way because, as Spurgeon said, he says, our ways are by nature opposed to the way of God. Sometimes we just got to call out to God and say, Lord, Lord, direct my, turn me. That's what he says in, I think, Jeremiah, right? Turn me and I shall be turned. Turn me, Lord. And then other times he says the very opposite. He says, I will turn to thy commandments. You know, both work at the same time. 
Keeping God's commandments is a matter of diligence and per- perseverance, but it's also cannot be done. It absolutely cannot be done. You cannot walk, at, walk after God and obey God undefiled in the way except God work in you and influence you because you and I are just, just messed up, just broken. So the verse I would like you to memorize this, this week unless you have a different verse that you, that you feel like the Lord, Lord has spoken to you through that verse especially, is verse number four. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. So like I said, next week, if you memorize that verse, verse and reference, and you say it in front of everyone, then uh, we'll put your name in a hat, a Marine Corps hat, and we will, uh, hopefully you'll, you'll get your name drawn. All right, let's pray together.